your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackSidewalks.com. Joe McCann and Phil Bush here with you once again. Phil, how are you on this fine day, sir? Oh, I, I listen, I just got back from a joyride on the Jop Wagon, and uh, I couldn't be better. Just could not be better. Your Marquette Golden Eagles are 2-0, and as expected. Nothing surprising about that, but in today's show, we're basically going to get our takeaways from the first two games of the season. What little maybe you can take away from two by wins, but they were... Uh, Good in each of their own ways. Certainly a lot of fun on Thursday night against Central Michigan. And we'll look ahead to week two of the Marquette season, which is, of course, highlighted with the Gavit Games showdown with the Purdue Boilermakers. We also have LIU uh, next week as well. So, Phil, let's just start with just the week that was. I guess the I'll just kind of lob this up to you, and you can take it wherever you like. Uh, two wins. Uh if you were to overreact to each of them, the overreactions would both take you two wildly different ways on what you think is going to go for the season. Because the Radford game, while it was a ten-point win, I think there was some uh, maybe some concerns here or there as, as maybe the depth looked like it might be a concern. But then, if you wanted to wildly overreact overreact to the Central Michigan game. Uh, Boy, you are looking for tournament tickets right now because they sure look good, and it was a fun game from Central Michigan. How are you feeling after the first week overall? Uh, I'm feeling really good. Uh, I mean, I think I'm still very squarely in the um, the cautiously optimistic side of things. Uh, I, I do think there are things to give pause that we'll, we'll touch, touch on, but overall I think the takeaway was, A, this is a fun team. Like, even that Radford game, Yes, it was, uh, you know, gave you some trepidation here and there, but it was a, it's a fun style of basketball. The, the players are, are fun. Um, I got to say some of the freshman swagger is, is, uh, is appealing. Um, right. Like I definitely want to talk about the freshman in today's show, but go on. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel like this is going to be yet another fun season. It's not going to be without frustration. I'm sure we will go on you know, uh, a, a, a losing streak at some point. There will be questions and concerns and all of that stuff. But I think this is kind of reinforcing that the way Shaka wants to play, the players he's bringing in, the style is going to lend itself to very entertaining basketball, which is really, yes, you want to rack up wins, but at a minimum, I want to be entertained while, while we're seeing what the record comes out to be. And that we were definitely that this week. I, I forget who said this, but it's a fun phrase. Like, we would prefer you to be good, but if you're not going to be good, at least be interesting. Right. And uh, like, I, I, this team may be good and interesting. We'll see uh, how that develops. But let's just start with maybe some takeaways from the Radford game, and then move on to Central Michigan, which is a little fresher in our minds. But I don't know about you, Phil. Like, the two main things I took away from the first game. Number one, Oso is as good as advertised. He looked great. He had 19 boards and, or 19 points and seven rebounds in the first game. Uh, he showed off the ball handling skills that we had heard so much about, and he definitely looked like the guy that Marquette had hyped up in the offseason. I don't know about Marquette, but Marquette fans maybe more so. But he, he looks like he's going to be the real deal and be a very good player in the Big East. But my concern after the Radford game was – what do we have behind Oso? Because 
it seems like every time Oso went out of the game, that's when the lead shrunk, and then Shaka thought, like, all right, we got to get Oso back in there and got to finish this thing. Um, so I was concerned about uh, depth in the middle after the Radford game, but I was overjoyed at what I saw from Oso. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think I think Oso is outstanding in everything we hoped him to be. Um, I think you know we circle back to the to the preseason pod where I said, hey, look, if if Oso gets thirty more thirty minutes or more a game, then we're we're going to win a tournament game. I I completely stand by it. But I'm frankly the thing that's concerning to me is I don't know that he can even like I think we're going to be. Not lucky, but I think we're going to be fortunate if he's averaging 25 minutes a game just between foul rate and usage and all of that stuff. I I think we're going to struggle to keep him on the floor as much as we need him to be on the floor. Be- to your point, I, there's, there's just not the same kind of depth. We have to play a totally different roster style and, and take a different approach when when. Oso's not in there. It's not like we can go and say, okay, Oso out, player X in, we're doing all the same things, maybe to a lesser extent. We are stylistically different when Oso's not in, and that's going to cause some fits this year, I think. I, I, I completely agree, because I, uh, I think there is a drop-off. Now, we that my opinion on that may have changed a little bit in the central Michigan game, but before we move on to that, just some other thoughts in the Radford game, uh, you know, Cam Jones came out fired. He, he only finished with 10 points, but you know, he definitely showed, um, an ability to, you know, it, the confidence is still there and he's going to be an important scorer this year. He had 10 points in that game and Omax, uh, I thought looked strong in both games, uh, this week, really. So I, I, kind of get what you expected from those guys and the the other big highlight for me in the Radford game was Tyler Kolick with who put up a 9-9-9 I don't know how many times I've seen that or 9-9-8 I should say so he was just so close really close to a triple-double but um, he uh, again the guy that you would hope he would be a guy who can create but also generate offense and also uh, give great effort on the defensive end. So I thought Tyler Kolick looked great really in both games, but particularly the Radford game. I agree. And one of the things that's like, and this, I'm not trying to knock on anyone, but like we, we are wowed by the assists that Tyler Kolick gets. I am almost wowed more by the assists that Tyler Kolick does not get where he, you know, whips a pass somewhere and, you know, Certain players who will remain nameless bobble it or, or can't finish it or, or you know, he generates so many open shots. There was, in that Radford game, there was probably, I, I think I counted at one point, there were five wide open looks that t- Tyler Kolek, four of them were from three, that Tyler Kolek generated entirely himself and the shots just did not go down. Um, the uh, aforementioned Jop Wagon, David Joplin, had at least three of those where he was wide open for threes and, and missed them in the Radford game. So, you know, I think Tyler Kolick's performance is even more impressive when you look at the, the points that aren't scored despite, you know, what he's creating. Like, if, if this team shoots more consistently... Tyler Kolek could be the the, the, the the biggest assist or the best assist person in, in the country, not just the yeah. Big East. Yeah, like if Marquette has one of those games where they're hitting everything and shooting way above their average, like Kolek could have like fifteen assists in a game like that. Easily. Easily. I mean there were there were a couple of bunnies in that Radford game where it's like 
the the bunnies were missed even so i i think i think kolik is gonna go is one game i don't know what game it's gonna be but there will be a game where he will get at least 15 assists assists i I would agree yeah there will be a game at some point this year where marquette shoots way higher than its average and in in that game it will be awful lot of tyler kolik passes but yeah you 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 keep creating those plays you don't like not do those plays again because they, the shots didn't fall. You've created right. the correct shot. It was the right play. The shot just didn't go down. You keep doing those same things, and those shots are going to fall at some point. And you're hopefully going to have at least one night, a couple nights this year, where they all or a bunch of them fall, and you're way right. above your average. And maybe that's the kind of night when you could pull off an upset. Um, now, so as we transition to the Central Michigan game just a little bit, Phil, I, I think a topic that maybe goes across both games is the freshmen. We got a good look at. Um, got a good look at all of them, all three of them, particularly uh, Ross and Jones in both games. Uh, and I, I would say of the freshmen, I think Ross may be exceeding expectations a little bit. I agree, we're just two games in here, but I, I really like what I saw from Chase Ross, uh, you know, in his little vignette that aired on that they had on Twitter and Instagram he described himself as a 3 and D guy and I was like well if you are a 3 and D guy you're going to have minutes on this team and it looks like that's what's going on I mean he looks like he could be a 15 plus minute a game guy a solid rotation guy given the energy he brings on the defensive end his ability to shoot the ball and uh, just his confidence he's able to finish on the break he has a couple nice dunks in both games uh, really impressed with the freshman granted we're only two games in here but I definitely like what uh, Shaka brought into the program here. Yeah, and listen, I, I want to put myself on blast, you know, and, and, and Chase Rusk called it, right? Like, he, you know, he said people were sleeping on him. I was one of those. I mean, I on several of these podcasts, I was like, I don't know what we got in Ross. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think we know yeah. what we got now. <laughs> Yeah, right? Maybe, and, you know, like I mean, you go into a season, you're not going to say, "Well, I think all 11 guys are going to play 20 minutes a game." Well, that just the math just doesn't work there. Like right. somebody, logically, somebody's going to be at the end of the bench, and so logically, maybe you just uh, take one of the freshmen that's going to be down there. But uh, Chase looks D1 ready, uh, yes. Big East ready. I mean, he looks like he is ready to go, and I. If he can give that energy, that effort, and especially shoot the ball that well and play that way defensively all season, uh, that is a key, a key piece of coming off the bench for Marquette. Yeah, and and I don't think it's a perfect allegory, but I do I do think um, he's giving me what I thought we would have gotten out of a junior year Jamal Kane if the the hand the handcuffs were kind of taken off of of Jamal. Right, we saw him able to. To score in buckets, rebound, play defensive defensively on the wing. I th- now you know Chase is is certainly younger. He's going to have freshman mistakes, those types of things. But stylistically and energy wise, and quite frankly, the swagger is is just it's wonderful, right? It's an enjoying uh, enjoying type of experience. And and again, I think he fits in with what this team is trying to do. And and if he keeps having performances like that, it's going to be hard not to play him 20 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know? If you could shoot the ball well and play defense, there is a spot for you. In and attack the rim. Like, that yeah. was the big thing in the Central Michigan game. He had – there was one where he kind of took off and he ended up, like, double-handing layupping it, like, right down the middle. But that was one of those where he's like – 
ah, which form of dunk do I want to do? And got caught thinking about it in midair and just laid it up. But like the athleticism and ability to attack the rim out of a three and D guy. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Shaka Smart has said Sean Jones is the fastest player he has ever coached. Yes. And you saw it this week, the, the, this past week, because he plays fast and he he is an energy generating guy. I guess the EGB energy energy generating behavior is the one of the slogans this year, uh, and he has that because he he plays so fast and it's really not out of control. I mean, maybe it might look out of control sometimes if he's getting fouled or uh, maybe he loses a handle here or there. Maybe there's like an alley oop he missed in the first game, but he is in control and he plays with great speed and great energy and. Uh, I, his best days are definitely ahead of him, of course. But um, uh, again, there are r- things to like about all the freshmen, and with Jones, uh, I think he is about as good as advertised as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, he allows the team to do something differently. And and what I was really impressed with, though I shouldn't be surprised because this is kind of Shaka's mo. But like, there was Sean Jones and Chase Ross, and even Ben Gold do not have necessarily a big drop off defensively, right? Like they are solid defensive players. None of them is like an offensive dynamo and just kind of wandering around blindly on the defensive end. They bring talent to the defensive end. I think Ben Gold is actually going to be a little better defensively than now that I've seen him, you know, in person on on the at the Radford game and, and certainly on television at the Central Michigan game. Um, I, I think he's going to be um, he's going to be hit and miss, right? Like he's not going to have a Central Michigan game all the time, but I think he's he's got the defensive chops to get the minutes because because Shock is going to want him to make sure he's playing defense, and that will enable him to generate offense when it's the right time, right? He's not going to be a twelve points a game kind of guy, but he might go for fifteen one game and six for another or something like that, right? And and his defense is going to get him on the court some, especially with uh, the fact that, you know, Oso cannot play 40 minutes every time. Right. And that's kind of one of the next thing I wanted to touch on is uh, kind of twofold with, with, with Ben. And you, you touched on it there. I don't think we should expect necessarily that every night out of Ben, but uh, you love what you saw in the Central Michigan game. First of all, being able to step outside and hit a three, I mean, that was cool. Yeah. He, he attempted five on the game, so they might not have that many attempts from three in a typical game. But the fact that he has that range and has shown it, uh, and defenses have to respect it, that's good. Of course, he had that one poster dunk, which was great. He had a couple more dunk, or one or two other dunks beyond that. But um, my overall concern about depth in the middle was alleviated a little bit, not completely gone away. But it, it, at least what Gold showed you against the Chips is maybe Marquette will not be completely lost without o- when Oso has to sit if Gold can give you that um, or something close to it anyway. I, I agree with you on the energy on defense. Uh, I-, I think he's not like overwhelmed out there defensively. Now granted, uh, he hasn't exactly faced elite post players yet. Right. But um, no complaints from what I, you, you've seen through from Ben Gold in two games, and the, just the the versatility of being able to step out and knock down a three, and uh, the good energy when he's in the post um, is certainly encouraging, and maybe 
again, tone, uh, dial down my concerns about the depth behind Oso just a little bit. Yeah, I think the thing that's going to be interesting, I, I agree that I'm not as worried, quote-unquote, depth-wise. But I think the thing that's going to be interesting is when Oso is not in the game, no matter what lineup we have, we're, play, we're going to have to play both defensively and offensively. We're going to play differently than when we do have Oso in the game. Oso is a very unique offensive player that I think will create all sorts of matchup nightmares, which will be nice to take advantage of. But it's almost one of these, you, we revert to a more, I, I guess, traditional type offense when Oso's not in the game, simply because the, the players we have, while talented, they don't have Oso's skill set, right? They're not going to originate offense. They're not going to dribble the ball, you know, up that sort that sort of thing. So we're gonna we're gonna change our style a little bit, and it's gonna be interesting to see where and how we put those lineups together. I also think it's gonna impact the defensive end because you know the biggest concern I have around Oso, other than just please, please for the love of God, keep him healthy, is his foul rate. Some of it's not his fault, right? Like, he, it's not like he's, you know, bad on the defensive end and he's fouling unnecessarily. But, you know, if you're funneling folks in and he's supposed to be the eraser, well, you're going to generate some fouls that way. Um, and so defensively, it's almost like we have to go, when he's in, we have to go to a, a traditional half-court defense, a lot less pressing, and, and kind of, you know, try not to funnel as much to the center. Whereas um, when he's not in there, especially with some of the, you know, the younger dogs, if you will, right? Like with Chase in there and Sean Jones and, and some of the energy they bring, like then we can be a lot more, I'll say, c controlled chaos. Um, so stylistically, we're going to play a bunch of different ways depending, about, depending on whether or not Oso is going to be in the game. Kit? talk about the Central Michigan game without talking about going a little deeper on the efforts of David Joplin. Phil, as the driver of the David Joplin bandwagon, a.k.a. the Jop Wagon, uh, how proud are you of your guy for his performance at the uh, I, I immediately, upon conclusion of that game, did some internet research on how much is too much of David Joplin's face to get tattooed on my body. Um, <laughs> so, uh, no, it was... It was awesome. Now, one one thing I want to say, it was tremendous fun. I love the heck out of the performance. One thing that's interesting that I've noticed in these first two games about David Joplin, when he hits, he hits. When he misses, oh my God, does he miss? Like I, I I've never seen someone that like like as soon as it comes out of his hand, you just know. All right, that's going in. Versus, I don't think that's hitting rim. Like I, it's 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 fascinating to me. I want to say I want to say we said that about Jake Thomas mm, for a minute there. Could be like like I, I like like he like he had the was it Jake or maybe was there somebody else? But it, there was somebody I want to say with Jake that yeah when like when he hit it it looked great, but he was also good for one off the side of the backboard every game as well. Like he had some like. Good shooting, but also some hilarious misses at time. I feel like we've said that before about somebody. Yeah, I, I think I think that's fair. But yeah, it's uh, and and again, I think the big thing. So uh, David Joplin absolutely need to talk about like has developed offensively. Um, I was concerned about him being a liability. I considered for half a moment selling my billions in in David Joplin stock. I held firm, 
but I was concerned defensively. I, I, I don't think he's a defensive all-star, but I, I certainly see the energy and the the knowledge kind of increasing this season, at least early, where, hey, he's not a liability out there, which is great. And then he can do some things offensively that, you know, quite frankly, if he's going to shoot that well, um, like he's going to get a lot of minutes because we're going to need we're going to need shooters, um, especially with with what Tyler Cola can create. We're going to need people that can can um, hit spot up threes and, you know, catch and shoots. And that's what he did on on Thursday night. And it could not have been more exciting. Um, I'm basically living the embodiment of that gif we now have of the student essentially passing out in the Al McGuire Center after a dunk. <laughs> you know, the uh, it, it's not a perfect comparison, and it's certainly not a fair comparison, but it's where people's minds go. Is when Justin Lewis leaves, they're like, oh, well, Joplin steps into that spot because similar, similar body type, maybe some similar skills. Uh, I, I don't, definitely don't think, again, it's not fair to say well, he's the new Justin Lewis now, but he can bring you some things that you lost with Lewis leaving. Yes, uh, he he had he, I he may be a better shooter than Justin Lewis. Quite frankly, he could be. Um, now, I, I don't think he may do what you need on the on the glass compared to to what Lewis brought you, but um, he he could be the guy who really fills a void on this team because when people picked Marquette to finish ninth in the Big East. Like the quick analysis was, well, Lewis is gone; they're going to stink. Uh, but if he can help fill that void left by Justin Lewis, again, not all of it, but some of it, and, and he showed you a more than a flash of it on Thursday night with that shooting ability. And uh, they were saying on the broadcast, you know, Shaka has said before that he is a guy who could potentially one day lead the Big East in scoring. And nights like that, you kind of see it, right? I mean, but but you're also gonna. I, I agree, you're gonna see it, but you're also gonna like live and die with the, the the David Joplin, right? Because you know Radford, he went 0 for four from three, 0 from one for for right. two, and then in in the Al McGuire Center against Central Michigan, he went six for ten for three, um, and uh, uh, where'd it go? I just had the the twos here for him. Oh, uh, two for two from two. You know, so he shot essentially. 70% on the game. That's nuts. He, uh, better sight lines, perhaps, in the Al McGuire Center. Maybe that's because maybe that's where they practice. And uh, the job wagon just gets better mileage in, in smaller gyms, perhaps. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, if he could bring that uh, bring that to all the other gyms he plays in, uh, it could be a big year for David Joplin. I, it, <clears throat> I'm not going to put that expectation on him just yet, but if he continues to crank out 15 plus points per game performances over the next few weeks, uh, those expectations could go up. But um, that game on Thursday night, Phil, is what you've kind of been hoping to see, right? Since we learned who David Joplin was last right. year. Yes. Like, oh, well, there's there's something. Yeah, there. there is. And the other the other player I want to call out is, and I I don't know that it shows up on the stat line as much. And certainly, I think his first two games, you know, from his traditional stats haven't been great, is Cam Jones, right? Like, his shooting's been way off. Not way off, but, right. like, he hasn't had shots fall. Um, but, like, the speed at which he thinks, like, I think he's gone to Tyler Kolick assist school um, because he's making passes on the offensive end that I don't know that we've ever seen him make. 
and his defensive energy is significantly higher in these first two games than it was at any point last season. And if, and you know, I have zero faith or no, I have zero concern that, um, that Cam Jones shooting won't, won't return to norm, right? He, he will be that volume shooter, but if he's adding assists and a strong defensive performance, Cam Jones could end up being, um, 33 a minute game, you know, 33 minutes a game type of player that's, you know, averaging 15, 16, 17 points a game. Like I like you could, you know, fill a stat sheet with Cam Jones if he's doing all that and his shooting returns to form. Yes, Shaka challenged him in the offseason. Two things. One, obviously improved defensively as he probably challenges all of his players, but also get to the rack more and not just be a jump shooter and get in the lane and you know practicing that in the summer and doing it in team scrimmages and then doing it in actual games can be a mental adjustment like it may take a few games for him to say all right this is the stuff we're working on all year now I need to do it in games that matter and see how it goes and I think maybe he is still feeling that out a little bit to say this is the new Cam Jones and this is what I need to evolve to be the player my team needs me to be so maybe that is part of maybe where the outside shooting is falling off a little bit in these first two games. But I agree with you. That shooting's gonna it's still there. And it's going to come around and he's going to have his nights when he erupts for twenty plus. Those games are coming, hopefully on Tuesday. But I agree with you. I don't have any long term concerns over Cam Jones. If anything, I am encouraged from the adjustments he's made. Yeah, I agree. I think again, I think we've got a lot of options, a lot of interesting pieces and I think this is going to be a team where there will be games where it all just clicks at once right like I'm even thinking not that Georgetown's last year is a good comparison but that Georgetown game where we were out to 30 point lead at Georgetown in the in the first 10 minutes right where all of a sudden everybody just is hitting they're sharing the ball everybody's making assists the defense is turning people over this team is going to be capable of lights out games, but there will also be games where shots just aren't falling, right? Like I think I think this game will be or this team will be a bit of a roller coaster, probably emotionally as well as from a uh, from a result standpoint. I think they're gonna win more than most people think, but but we will have those games like, you know, I don't want to necessarily go to the Purdue game just yet, but like, we could absolutely get blown out in that Purdue game, right? And and this team is capable of that. But I also think this team could, if it all clicks in that particular night, this team could win by fifteen on the road, right? So I I think yep. I think the 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 ceiling is very high, and the floor is somewhat low on a game to game basis. Right. Yeah. I, I I would say like the overall season floor. It's not as low as some people Correct. think, but this team is going to have a stinker here or there. Yes. Right? there there's going to be a couple of games this year where you're like, "Well, oh, that was rough. That was that was a tough night." And those games are coming, but hopefully more of the uh, high side of that, the good side, that that they surprise us. Uh, quick shout to the students, by the way. You mentioned them. Uh, sure, seemed like a fun atmosphere at the Al McGuire Center. I, you know, I've, <laughs> the pros and cons of the small arena thing. Um, a small crowd seems louder and more fun, and it seemed like it was electric in there. Uh, 
obviously you're not selling a whole lot of tickets. You're not making a whole lot of money off an Al McGuire Center game. You don't want to do that too often, if ever, quite frankly. you got that awesome NBA arena. Uh, you want to fill that up, get people in there, get them buying all types of concessions and refreshments and whatnot. But if you had to do it, I mean, Marquette had basically a choice of playing the Al McGuire Center or not playing at all or going to Central Michigan and playing at their place. So if you had to do it, I think they made the most out of a less than great situation. It looked like a fun night. And so I I think it would have been – it looked like it wasn't quite full in the upper bowl. But the lower bowl seemed loud. So shouts to the students who did go because uh, they were loud. They were crazy. It looked like they had a good time. Yeah, you know, as a as a season ticket holder, I, I've been thinking about this. And, and I was skeptical. You know, I know all the reasons we hosted it at the Owl, right? Um, but I was skeptical that yes, dinosaurs, right, dinosaurs, dinosaurs at Fiserv. Yes, di- di- dinosaurs that apparently a take time to set up and b are a thing. But anyway, um, so yes, dinosaurs chased us out of the Fiserv, and we we went to the Owl. But and I was pretty skeptical about like how it would all work out. I was impressed by the game atmosphere, <clears throat> and I'm, honestly, as a season ticket holder, I think you could probably creatively come up with a way to do this once a year and turn it into an event like so the students are the only ones that get into the owl that's fine but you could build an event around it very early in the season that can bring alumni and and other fans to campus they can do watch parties you can build the energy you know because they did like food trucks and and stuff before the game mixed results on on how that actually went so you could like build the build the 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 kind of the atmosphere around the game beforehand a little bigger and include some of the the fans and whatnot yeah you're you're taking you're taking a hit um from the number of tickets you might sell to a game that was at the fiserv for a for the same opponent but you know you're not sharing that revenue with the the bucks one and two you can generate that revenue back in other ways and as a season ticket holder I wouldn't care. I wouldn't mind as long as we can consistently build this kind of like this game and this event and this atmosphere. I wouldn't mind paying for a game that I didn't, you know, I didn't get to go to in person. Um, so I think there's ways to, to build around this. If it's a one-off, it's a one-off, no big deal. Um, but I am kind of intrigued as to, you know, how do we maybe make this a thing? Because even a couple of years ago when they played the NIT games at the Owl, um, I was fortunate to, to, to take No Red for Owen as well as myself and go to several of those games. Those were awesome games, um, you know, and, and the atmosphere was great and it, and it translates well on TV. Um, so I, I, I'm intrigued by the possibility of what they do around this going forward. Yeah, I think you make a lot of good points there. Like if maybe if you had to do it again, and could plan enough uh, in advance. Maybe you could build a bigger event, even if it is just for students, right? Especially if you're not going to do uh, a Marquette Madness or anything. Maybe have some other kind of event before one of these buy games at the beginning of the season to get all the students involved. Say, hey, we need all you students, especially all you freshmen, all you new ones here on campus. We want to introduce you to the program. We want you to get your first Marquette basketball experience. Come out, get a T-shirt, uh, you know, get some snacks, get some free food. Let's go inside and have a good time at the Al McGuire Center. Uh, Make it a big event, even if, like you said, even if, yeah, I mean, you said bringing alumni, maybe that's an idea, but also just 
even if it is just for the students, get as many students as you can since it's right there on campus. Just get everybody over there, as many kids as you can, and uh, make it a huge block party that all the students yeah. are invited to. And yeah, it's uh, it can be it can be fun. And you know, for a game like Central Michigan, especially if it's on a Thursday night, or you know, if it's a future, it's a Tuesday or Wednesday night. You're probably not packing the Fiserv for that game anyway. I mean, yeah, Marquette fans are great, but they're not exactly going to fill it to the rafters uh, at the Fiserv for Central Michigan, right. probably. Now, granted, there will be more. There would be more fans there at the Fiserv than when what is the Al hole? Thirty six hundred, and there's like I think okay. there's ninety five hundred uh, season ticket holders. Okay. So, so yeah, Fiserv holds closer to correct. 18, yeah, like seventeen thousand, eight right. or something like that. So yeah. Okay. So obviously, e- even a poor crowd at the Fiserv would be much bigger than what you could do with the Al. But that being said, one game against a lesser opponent to make it look like a big deal, like playing a team that's three hundred in Ken Palm, but at least make it fun, make it loud, and that's what it was. Like again, it, for the as far as the bottom line goes, maybe it didn't make you right. a whole lot of money, but. It looked good on TV. It looked fun. You had some great highlights that were probably going around on social media, and a lot of people saw it. And I don't know how much the uh, local TV stations were all over it last night, but I'm sure they had some fun highlights to run on their 10 o'clock yes. news that maybe they, they otherwise they, wouldn't They run. did. So and it, it, and, it and from a brand building, right? Like the, the other thing, this is what's intriguing and where I would have liked them to build more around it this time, especially if they're, they're not going to do it again. But if you think about it, not to take us back into the Wojo years, but – there, there are no students on campus that have seen a Marquette team, like, be consistently good, be this fun, um, or, you know, also the, the, the due measure of we haven't won uh, a tournament, uh, an NCAA tournament game in over 3,500 days. Um, so, like, having an exciting event like this where it's like, hey, students, come in. You don't have to pay. You don't have to go all the way over to the Fiserv. Just see what this game, this team, and this 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 fan base is about. Like that builds uh, engagement with the student community. That hopefully they'll that will translate into more energy at the yeah. Fi Serve, more going to the Fi Serve, right? And and students, you know, you, you and I have talked about in the past. Like we 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 came in knowing about Marquette's history when we were freshmen at Marquette, but it wasn't like oh my God, we grew up watching Marquette basketball. We knew of it. It wasn't until right. we got there, tasted the atmosphere, and like, holy crap, shoot this into our veins. And that was a pretty crappy yeah, exactly. Tom Crean year, you know, that first year, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I guarantee you every student who went to that game at the Owl went home, like, thinking, oh, we're we're going to more games. We're yeah. doing this again. Like, I can't wait to go back to the next game. So you build fan bases with stuff like that. Maybe even kids who, like, like you said, who didn't know, couldn't name a player on the team last year. But this year, now they're all in. And I think that's what you create with something like that. It, it may be an investment in the future of your fan base, I guess is right. what we're trying to say. Right, right, exactly. All right, so shall we move on to the Yes, Purdue let's come back to reality. We've been pretty enthusiastic. Let's, uh, yes. <laughs> let, let's take it. But again, shout out to, every, all, all the, yeah, shout out to all the students yes. who went to that game. Looks like you had a good time, and you made the fan base look really good on uh, – National TV, I guess, but you know FS2. You take right on YouTube TV and a couple Uh, other apps. (laughs) But uh, hey, 
it, it was a fun atmosphere and shouts to the students who went. All right, so now things uh, turn up a notch as Marquette takes on the Purdue Boilermakers. That's the next game, Tuesday, November 15th. Uh, as we're recording this, Purdue is 1-0, and but I presume they will move to 2-0 and after a Friday game against Austin P, who is uh, ranked 250 in Ken Palm, so that should be an easy win for Purdue. See me trying to jinx them there, but <laughs> actually, I would prefer they go ahead and blow out Austin P. I don't want them coming to this game refocused and really ticked off. But so Ken Palm has this as a ten-point spread in Purdue's favor. Uh, Purdue, a top twenty-five team in Ken Palm, uh, usually one of the better teams in the Big Ten. Matt Painter probably may carry that label of best coach in college basketball without a Final Four. Um, uh, he's got Zach Eady back. That's a problem. Of course, Zach Eady is the 7-4 big man. I feel like he's yeah. been there a while, but he is back. Um, Purdue, I don't know, if they're probably not projected to win the Big Ten. They're projected to be one of the top ones, though, uh, of certainly a projected tournament team. Uh, how are you feeling going to Mackey? Well, so I'm trying to shake the ghosts of Big Ten opponents in non-conference on the road, um, you know, because – no. Hasn't been a great history. Hasn't we great we history. tend to uh, hell even games at home we tend to get blown out by Big Ten opponents in non-conference season. So I, I think we've got that headwind. I know each year has nothing to do with the next, but psychologically I'm still traumatized. Um, I do think stylistically, I think we and you know if we play to our potential, I think we have a good a good chance to to really impress some folks around Purdue. I think Purdue's got. Um, some new guards to break in that, you know, a, a little bit of an assertive press may may kind of scramble them a little bit, maybe turn them over a little bit. Um, I feel it's a game we can win, but not a game I think we're going to. That's, that's about where I am, too. Um, so Marquette has played with a frantic pace in its first two games. Uh, as we're recording this on Thursday, they're number six in the country in adjusted tempo and third in possession length as far as shortest possession length. So they get down the floor and they put up shots. Uh, Purdue, slower. Now, they're not Wisconsin or Virginia slow, but uh, they are 201st in tempo. And granted, that's after just one game, so take that for what it's worth. But um, Purdue is going to want to – they're nice. So they're not – Gonna, again, they're not going to want to play Virginia slow, but they would like to play slower. And I think you kind of touched on a good point there, Phil. Marquette turning them over and getting points in transition, I think, is going to be essential if Marquette's going to go uh, to West Lafayette and pull off an upset. Yeah, I, the thing that's going to be interesting is is in the first two games, again, small sample size, but Marquette is playing a pressure defense that is not necessarily designed to turn people over. And against Central Michigan, it turned them over. But they're not pressing to steal. They're pressing to chew yeah. clock, which means the, the, the opponent's offense has less time um, to generate a shot, right? Which, which is in its own strategy, right? Like, if you think about it, if you break down the 30-second shot clock, if you say the last five seconds are kind of the advantage to the defense because – you know, the offense is feeling the pressure of getting a shot up. Um, and if you say, you know, kind of the first seven, eight seconds are are just kind of getting into the offense, um, that gives, you know, an opponent, eh, I don't know, map, math, 17, 18 seconds to, to move the ball back and forth, test the seams of the defense, get, get around, drive, stretch, that sort of thing. 
But the way Marquette is using its pressure defense, again, it's not havoc in the VCU form. It is not like blitz and just, you know, steal the ball at every opportunity. It is, hey, I want to put you in bad positions. I want to drive you to places you don't want to go. Uh, if we get a turnover, great. Meaning that teams aren't getting into their offense until, you know, maybe there's, uh, I don't know, 15 seconds left on the shot clock, 16 seconds. So now they've got 10, 11 seconds um, to make, um, to, to try and make a good shot. And so that reduces the amount of time you actually have to play half court defense, which I think is, is beneficial to the team. So it'll be curious to see how that balances against Purdue's kind of slower pace, right? They're not going to want to, they're not going to rush, um, but are they going to want to kind of face that pressure or are they going to try and speed up a little bit? And if you speed up a team that wants to go slow, they, you know, they might get out of, out of sorts, so to so to speak offensively. So I do think, while I don't think it'll be turnovers necessarily, I'll be curious to see if the defense forces Purdue into less successful shots or, or shots of a lower probability. And then we can hopefully get the rebounds um, to, to generate offensive possessions. That's what I'm going to be curious to see about. Yeah, I mean, the... Uh... The, the rebounding was, or I was saying, was definitely pretty, looked pretty good yeah. in the Radford game. Uh, maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't as much in the Central Michigan game, but um, you hopefully, but rebounding had has been a weakness for Marquette's team in, in the past year, or so that could be a problem against Purdue, who's an excellent rebounding team. I'll be curious to see just the the pace and production of Oso, because look, Edie is a yeah. huge problem in the middle, and but if. Oso can beat him down the floor consistently. Uh, you may get some early opportunities early in the shot clock by getting the ball to Oso in the paint, or uh, or just getting the ball to him and see if he can create a, on his own or just create for somebody else, and maybe wear Edie out and get him to the bench. But again, in the process, Oso may wear himself out, and you may need to go to your bench as well. And then there's also the foul right. situation. If if Edie is going to bully Oso in the post, get fouls on him, get Oso on the bench, then Edie goes to work on Ben Gold or um, whoever else comes in. We didn't see any of Wrightsill. He's nursing an injury. I don't know if he's going to play uh, or whoever else has to come in the post if Oso goes to the bench. So I keep bringing up Edie, but he is you know logically my number one concern in this game because if he's going to be as dominant as he has been. The, all the times I've seen him play, uh, that's my concern. But Marquette's guards could create issues for Purdue's guards. And so if you're able to run a lot, the more you run, the less of a factor Edie is. So I think that's probably the avenue to an upset in this one, but I'm kind of with you. I am confident Marquette is going to give it a good effort in this game. I am just not confident they get the yeah. W. I think what's going to be interesting, I agree with your um, kind of your like, let's run and, and beat him to the mark. And and maybe if you tire him out, he fouls more, you know, gets, you know, gets sloppy, whatever. I think what will also be interesting is seeing Oso's ball handling and passing skills against an Edie product. Right. Like, I don't think Oso's going to take Edie all the way out to the perimeter. Right. Oso's not a three point shooter. Maybe we see a little bit of that with Ben Gold. Um, but but Oso, that's not what he's going to be. But I could see feeding Oso in the high post 
or you know the elbow extended um and and drawing Edie away from the basket because we've seen Oso kind of dribble drive you know throw up some you know five footers four footers those types of things get layups so I think bringing Edie away from the basket a little bit creates potentially driving lanes for Oso but more importantly I think we'll see some backdoor cuts and some you know some wing action where Oso can pull Edie away from the basket take that shot blocker away from the rim and pass to cutting guards who 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 then have have layups and whatnot. I'm sure I'm sure Purdue will try and guard against that, but I think Oso's skill set is unique enough um, that there's some advantages we can generate that other teams may not be able to against Edie. And I wouldn't expect him to play a ton, but he's going to have to play, and I'll be curious what gold has to do right. against Edie because he's shown that range, right? So if if o, if Gold steps out there, Edie's got to right. get out there and guard him, and that is, so that could that could be another thing that happens. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Uh, let's check. So let's um, just touch on Long Island real quick. Uh, this is a team filled not very good. I mean, I, they're one of the lower teams in Division One. Uh, they're three forty one on Ken Palm as we're recording. They really got smoked by Utah in their opener, coached by former NBA guard Rod Strickland. Uh, so whatever happens against Purdue, this should be a get right game for Marquette. Um, I don't have much more than that to break down against Long Island. This is a team. They'll be back home. They'll be back in the five serve. So this is a game. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's going to be a game to to kind of refocus, learn what we, you know, I'm, I'm imagining Purdue is a maybe get punched in the mouth and, and see what we're made of kind of game. And uh, um, and the LIU Brooklyn lets us uh, um, kind of reset and, and get back to center and, and kind of get maybe even some confidence back prior to, to going on the road for the, uh, uh, the Fort Myers tournament. So, yeah, I, I think it's just going to be a – you know, hey, let's let's get the job done. Let's let's be professional about it. Get the win and move on. Yeah. So I, I'm basically uh, not to di- I'm <laughs> I don't think I'm ready to dive in too much more than that. And on Long Island, uh, th- it just should be a one in one week. That's how I feel about it. I mean, it's a pretty simple prediction, honestly. Perfectly logical. I, I think uh, I think it'll be a, a a good effort, but a tough loss at Mackey Arena. Then you get right against LIU, and then you're sitting at three and one, and we'll see what. You- how you feel about the team after that. So I, I assume you're kind of in the same boat. Yeah, I am. I, the thing I really want to see with Purdue, and, and it's not from a moral victory type of standpoint, but I, I just want to see us be super competitive about Purdue. Like I'm sure in the moment and on Twitter, if it's still around, I'll be like bemoaning, oh man, we lost by two on a last second shot. This sucks, da, 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 da. But I really, I, I want to see us go into Mackey Arena and be competitive um, and even if we come away with a loss, if we're competitive, I think that gives us good, you know, a good measuring stick that says, hey, you know, this is this is a team that can compete again. The, the, there, there's going to be a floor that's maybe a little lower than we want, but the ceiling is is still pretty high. Uh, and so that's really what I want to take away. I, I'm hoping for, you know, worst case, a five or six point loss in at Purdue. I expect a loss. Um, but we'll we'll kind of see how it shakes out. Yeah, I haven't seen a Vegas line yet. Uh, but uh, yeah, if if it's Marquette uh, plus ten, yeah, I'll take the ten. I would too. I think so. I mean, we may we may we may regret it because you know everybody may be shooting you know twenty five percent from three or whatever. But uh, 
you know, I, I, I feel more comfortable in a in a close loss than I do in any of the other outcomes. All right, I think that's about going to do it for uh, this edition of Scrambled Eggs. Uh, as always, we welcome your feedback. We're on Twitter, uh, for now anyway. Twitter still a thing. But uh, as long as it is a thing, we're out there. I'm Joe McCann 3. Phil is M triple O F 23 at Crack Sidewalks is the team handle. Uh, you can go to cracksidewalks.com. We post the podcast there. And always remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Pod- Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Phil, was there anything else you want to touch on for No, just uh, happy to be having fun with Marquette basketball again. All right. So hopefully, more good things in the weeks to come. And we will check in with you next time. Till then, seashells and balloons, y'all.